This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. What's your plans for the weekend? Uh, rest, actually. Oh, it's, um, and on Sunday, some mountain biking. That sounds fun. How about yours? Uh, my sister is down from Auckland, so we are doing family things. Oh, that'll be lovely. Indeed. And it's next weekend that we go swimming in the lake. Oh, fantastic. So there is there does have to be a dip in the harbour to prepare <laughs> for swimming a kilometre in Wakatifu. Oh, at this time of year, that is, I just, I don't know, madness, actually. That's the only word <laughs> that I can come up with for that. And who are we introducing today? It is a great pleasure to introduce Joe Pearson. Uh, Joe is the owner, well, just opened actually, a children's bookshop in Port Chalmers called Petura. What a cool thing you have just done, Joe! Welcome and thanks for sharing with us today. Kia ora, thank you so much. Welcome, Joe, and a fabulous place it is, I must say. We've been talking about people, about people's bubbles experience. It's turning into history now, but how was your bubbles experience? Um, yeah, it was okay. Um, my um, my family and I, I've got two children, um, and we moved from um, the other side of Dunedin to Carries Bay uh, a few months before the first lockdown hit. Um, so we were very fortunate and um, yeah, very privileged to be in that beautiful part of the world for. Um, for lockdown, um, that I think that certainly helped. Um, but yeah, you know, we just had the the challenges that that so many other people did with with young children and um, managing their needs and um, you know making sure that they were okay. I, I mean, to be honest, they were quite thrilled to have the time at home. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was okay. It was okay. So, as a time of reset, people have decided as, as they were sitting around at home to to refocus themselves and, and think about where they're going. And out of that, you decided to open a bookshop. Is that where it came from? <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much, yeah. we um, So we have worked out here. My husband and I run a food business as well, um, and we've worked out here in Port Chalmers for a few years now. Um, and we this shop space used to be a wee sort of pantry, deli sort of style shop um, for a few years. And you know, I I loved working here and I loved um, chatting with people and, and having that kind of home for the business. Um, but economically, it didn't really make sense to to carry on with it post um, lockdown. So really, for the last couple of years, this space has been our office um, 
and another, you know, sort of closed space on the street. So, you know, there was always that part of me niggling away that I, I wanted to reopen it somehow. Um, and so <clears throat> whilst I also work on that business with him, I work as a graphic designer for a book publisher. So I still do that two days a week. I do that remotely for an Auckland book publisher. Um, and so, you know, books, art, illustration, that's <clears throat> that's really my passion and my, um, you know, my spiritual home. Um, and so, and, and children's books particularly have always been, a, played a really important part in my creative life. Um, I went to art school and I never really felt like I, um, fit into the world of fine art um but that that was the degree that I was that I was in and um so I left that and went and did my OE and um even when I was in the UK I was always drawn to uh children's books and I um you know went to as many events as I could over the year and with with illustrators and artists and children's books has always sort of been a, a thing for me um, so I guess it's just sort of sat in the in the back of my head for for a few years, and you know we had this space, and um, we were very fortunate that I was, um, you know, we were able to afford for me to to, to open it. Um, yeah, so it's been it's been a ride to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> opening another a new business, um, particularly at the moment. It's very very quiet out there, um, but I kind of knew that that was that was what it was going to be like when I first opened. So. Yeah. So how does one go about starting up a a bookshop? Well, I mean, probably not like me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I'm still learning every every day. Um, it's been it's been a huge challenge, especially the the impacts of the pandemic on shipping, particularly, has been a real eye opener. Um, starting this business. Um, you know, there's some of some of the suppliers and they're really key suppliers for, for booksellers um, are based in Australia. And it used to be that you would place an order, it would get packed, shipped, and it would be with us within a couple of weeks. Um, and now it's more like six, eight weeks, sometimes even longer. Uh, so that, that's that been a real challenge and something I hadn't quite grasped um, until I was, you know, actually in the thick of it. Um but yeah, I mean, really, the the focus for me for Pictura, which um, you can probably tell by the name, I'm really interested in the pictures, the images, the illustrations. So the focus for me here is picture books, um, board books for babies and toddlers, um, graphic novels, which is a real growing genre of children's publishing at the moment. Um, so, and it's very much my personal taste as well. So, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that you might find in your paper pluses and your whitcalls um, you won't find on the shelf here. Um, so I try to get in really stuff that I just find interesting um, artistically. Um, so, yeah, I have a I have a smaller selection than your average bookshop, but um, a more curated one. So how do you find them for that curation process? Um, really, there's, there's a handful of suppliers that um, the, the way that the book distribution tends to work is that um, – the the big publishers, so um, you know your big penguins and randoms and and those ones, um, they also bring in a lot of books from overseas, um, from smaller publishers, and so really it's just a matter of sitting there every month and going through their catalogue of literally hundreds of books and judging books very much by their covers, <laughs> and, um, pick, picking ones that I think look look good and things that'll work, um, and balancing that with. 
um, you know, some of the more sort of popular stuff um, that will sell, of course, as well. Um, and yeah, and particularly, you know, looking at um, local publishing as well. And um, so really, it's just a lot of uh, a lot of admin, actually. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, scrolling through hundreds and hundreds of books because there is a lot that comes out every month. So, do you have a favorite? A favorite book? Yeah. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I was thinking about this on the way in, actually. I, I think. Um, I, I mean, I always go back to the books that were my favorites in childhood. So, um, I, I think my my brain has always worked in a very visual way. So. You know, I may not be able to remember the plot line of, you know, a, a lot of novels that I've read, but I, but I can remember the the cakes on the plate in The Tiger Who Came to Tea or um, <laughs> those sorts of things. Um, I really love um, John Klassen as, a, as an illustrator from, uh, I think, America, maybe Canada. Um, and he's most, most known for... Um, I want my hat back and uh, the rock that fell from the sky. And he has a very dry sense of humor. Um, but I also just love his, his illustration style. Um, yeah. So actually that's a really hard question. There's too many to choose. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take the first of your music choices then. Let's have nice. Michael Kiwanuka piano joint. Why this one? Uh, well, when you asked me to choose a couple of songs, I, went back and, and had a think about what I was listening to around March 2020 uh, and, and what really stood out. And um, this album from Michael Kiwanuka, I just love, and I, I have listened to it so many times. Um, and this, he's very soulful, really beautiful voice. It feels like he's from 40, 50 years ago. Um, this song in particular is a, is a love song and is about – partnership and getting through tough times together. Sadness and fury is all I know 
a lot of imagination to be able to put yourself in the position of a little person and and imagine what it is that they're wanting to receive in terms of information and story and pictures where did your imagination come from how how was that stimulated as you when you were little my imagination oh that's a good question um i feel um hmm, i think i was my, my I grew up with my mum my was a single mum and um, my brother was six or seven years older than me. So I spent an awful lot of time on my own as a child, actually. Um, and my fondest memories of play are ones where I was on my own and inventing worlds. Um, and I can still remember, you know, sitting out in our garden and driving a little car around in the dirt. And um, so I think I, I think I... I, I really had no choice other than to to invent my own games and my own world, and um, yeah, I think that probably probably helped with my creative um, processing as I got older. Um, yeah. Do you think that our, our this generation of kids are missing out on that now with their you know with you know that little rectangular box that we put in front of them, and are they missing out on that? And if so, how do we fix that? Uh, well, yeah, that's interesting. My, my kids are now um, eight and ten, and that's very much, you know, something that's at the forefront of our, <laughs> uh, you know, debates. Perhaps should we say at the moment with them, um, they're they're so drawn to technology. I mean, it's it's you know, it is so great and addictive, and um, you can see why. Um, but it's important for there to be space for them to be bored, um, and in that in that um that place of of um freedom from distraction i suppose um is where you can it, you know you're sorry i'm i'm not um articulating this very well but i think you do need that that space um and that breathing space in order to create and um imagine and um, so, but honestly, I, I'm, I'm, it's something I struggle with as a parent myself is, is how to manage that. Um, and I don't have a particularly good answer for, for, for how to, um, you know, find that, that balance. Um, it's very difficult and, you know, our parents didn't have to worry about this quite so much. So it's, it's really tricky actually. I think you did articulate it perfectly and I think you you raised something that I don't know has ever been raised in one of our interviews and that is the necessity for boredom. Because oh, absolutely. And it's funny, yesterday I drove to Tauranga for a meeting and I missed the days where you, everyone was stopped at an intersection and we'd all look around and make eye contact and smile. Yeah, everybody's right. looking down at their laps and that's because true. that's where their phone is and yes I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head mm. so how do we bring back boredom <laughs> good question yeah I mean even the it's interesting isn't it we're so used to now filling filling time um and it's it's a good challenge I think to um e even a simple thing as going for a walk without headphones you know um and 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 having that that breathing space and being okay with 
being uncomfortable in it um, is, 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 yeah, it's very important for the mind, I think. Thinking of, th of your art, because I, I'm always amazed by artists, the way that you're able to take something that's in your head and make your hands make it. <laughs> how do you even do that? But how do you do that? What's your process? Um, <clears throat> to be honest, I've had a, a break from producing anything for, for some time. Um, I find the balance between, um, I mean, it's interesting, we've been talking about having mental space. And that for me, I think is quite key. And with working and young kids and trying to do all of those things, I've found it very difficult, actually, to find any, you know, mental space in order to be creative. Um but when I was working, when I was illustrating a little bit more, um, I, I, when the uh, the colouring book phenomenon took off, um, I illustrated a couple of colouring books, and and that was a huge challenge. Um, but yeah, really, it was about just, um, I guess for me, it it was about finding um, visual inspiration. So I would, you know, find. Um, uh, lots of resources and having having those images sitting in front of me and usually something just sort of comes together but I think the the the, the answer really is is practice and um, and keeping at it um, and it's not something that I'm particularly good at actually um, I've had a few moments of of being able to produce and um, and get something out there and get something to a level of completion um, but yeah, it's it's a challenge, um, and <laughs> um, yeah, I think again having that having that space and having that time to really think of, think things through and um, and work on something um, is a is a, a pleasure that not many people are are, are afforded. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm rambling again. <laughs> no, you're not. You're absolutely wonderful. So, do you do you think that that time is the big issue at the moment for people? that we do need to make sure we're carving out enough time for ourselves for that kind of those creative pursuits? Yeah, I would I would say so. Um, yeah, it's very difficult and, and something I, I, I don't have the answer to um, in, a, in a way. I, I hope that one day I will find myself, perhaps when my kids are a wee bit older, um, that I'll find myself with a, with a wee bit of that time. Um, but but, but I, I'm also the kind of person that I think certainly the, the pandemic taught me a lot of lessons in that I, I'm a, I'm a yes person. I say, you know, if someone asks me to do something, usually I'll say yes. And um, I can take on too much and juggle too much. Um, and that, that hasn't been conducive to, you know, a creative life. I mean, I say that, I, you know, I know that there's a certain amount of creativity and that has come from opening this business and, um, but in terms of, you know, my own hobbies or um, creative projects, um, yeah, I think I think certainly carving out that time is really crucial. Um, yeah, especially as a parent, you know, you sort of feel like you're on on call, on tap constantly, um, and you you do need to try and take those those breaks where you can get them. You said children's picture books. Are adults missing yeah. out on the pictures. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, there there are. Um, th there's a again, the graphic novel thing is is really growing, and it's and graphic novels for adults as well are, are really growing as a genre. And they're almost exclusively what I read nowadays. Um, so 
there are there are a few out there, but but it's it's tracking them down um, is the tricky thing. So uh, yes, I think we are missing out. <laughs> it would be good to see more of them on the shelf. I have a goal in my powerpoints not to have any words on my slides, to do it entirely right. entirely with pictures. It's hard work. <laughs> yeah, it's hard yeah. work telling stories just in pictures, and or it's 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 not a lesser form of communication. No, not at all. And so many children, um, you know, learn to read through pictures, um, and the the we tend to get to a certain point, particularly in the education. Um, well, you know, through I guess. Um, I remember going to parent-teacher interviews and very quickly it was sort of where does your child sit on the graph of, of reading? Um, and I know my daughter, for example, um, her, her mind just didn't work that way. And um, But she has an incredible um, ability to absorb a story and understand a story when she hears it and when she sees it in, say, a graphic novel form. Um, so I think her her language is very much a visual one um and i think by pressuring kids to learn to read um so quickly we, we can be doing some children um a disservice yeah there's, there's a lot to be taken in from from images and um, art for sure and it's a different form of interactivity that it allows for. I mean, some books really take that to the extreme. Not not just the pop-up books. I have a large collection mm-hmm. of pop-up books. But even within those images, uh, and I'm thinking of the book by, uh, Press Here by oh, um, yeah. um, some French name, yeah. Henri Toulet or something like that. Um, it's totally engaging with just a series of dots. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think um, oh, there's there's – there's so much that can be done with with images, and I, and I think, um, especially when you're, I think when when people are writing children's books as well, you know, quite often I'll get people coming in the shop actually, and they'll say, "Oh, I've I've written a children's book," you know, but but the the illustrations and the writing absolutely go hand in hand, and when you're writing a a, a picture book, you need to leave room for the illustrations. The illustrations do so much of the talking, um, and it's a real delicate balance. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, kotaha I hope you're all have a best day for superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope, wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more each day, who you are. A triumph of nature's art, further making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for us all, the last more than two and a half years have been very hard. And for many of us, we have moments of real struggle. And it's so important that for all of us, we acknowledge all of these really challenging times and the impact that they've had on us all. And that we approach one another with love and passion, with understanding, with support, with open minds and open hearts. And the ability to see in all of these things that we're experiencing our shared journey, our shared path forward. I know for myself in my work, my beloved Heart's Home Orokonui Eco Sanctuary, so much has shifted and changed. But of course, the living world, the loving world, Papa Tonuku, Earth Mother, 
all of these beautiful life forms that surround us and the beauty within us all serves to sustain and nourish me. I know that for all of us, finding simple ways every day to feel gratitude, to feel loved, to feel at home in the world, to feel a sense of belonging, a sense of embrace and community is so precious. And again for me, the living world provides this sense. I feel that we are connected to all life, co-evolving in an infinite web. This sense of connection, this sense of interrelationship helps me to feel loved and supported, never alone, always part of a bigger picture, a bigger framework. And I am heading out to Orokonui very shortly and I will be organising the Farekura for an event tomorrow, the birthday of the wonderful scientist Pat Longhorn who of course has done absolutely inspiring work around climate change and particularly in our sub-Antarctic, Antarctic waters. And she's a wonderful woman, very inspiring, very loving, caring, a beautiful family. And it'll be wonderful to celebrate her birthday at Orognui. And it's been fascinating for me over the years, meeting all the people that are attracted to Orognui. And it really brings so many different people together in so many ways and again i feel this is the power of the living world that when we can tune in can find a point so much flows from that so i really hope for you wherever you are and whatever's happening around you you're finding things every day in your that help you remember how beautiful and how precious and how unique and how perfect you, how all these contributions that you're making every moment every day are having a positive impact, are making the world better. And by sharing and honouring your unique gifts, your unique skills, not only do you make the world better for others, but also for yourself, allowing these skills, these gifts to come forward, to shine in the world. That's why you're here, why we're all here. And of course, being part of the show is so special for me. I want to say a big thank you to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for me. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Joe Pearson. Joe, do you have your own book? That My own you book? have burning. Yeah, is it is it a burning your own book hiding away in there? Uh, inside me. <laughs> uh I would say yes to that, probably. Yeah. There are there are a few ideas tinkering away in the background. Um that I would like to work on for sure. <laughs> What's stopping you? Um, I think um, again, as I was saying earlier about being a, a yes person, I think I um, I have enough on my plate <laughs> <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> um, so I, I've put it in the rather than feeling um, terrible every day that I'm not, um, you know, create being creatively stimulated. Um, by making things, um, I am being kind to myself and appreciating that I have kids and a business, two businesses and a job, um, and that maybe that's enough right now. <laughs> what do you but do after day- lunch? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen a change in children's books? I know that the, the, the trends change over time, but I'm wondering if you can see if anything is coming through in terms of the pandemic maybe not directly about the pandemic but in terms of that sort of 
increasing uncertainty world that we're living in. Are you seeing that coming through in the books at all? Um, yes, absolutely. I think there's a lot of um, there's now a lot of books out there around mental health um, and anxiety and um, and big feelings um, and yeah. So there's a there's a lot of not only books for adults to help the you know through their help their children, but um, but for children specifically. So there's um, I, I have I'm looking at a shelf in front of me now where you know there are books about emotions and um, dealing with big feelings and anxiety and um, so I think that's certainly um, a growing a growing area for sure. Do those books about those big feelings and those big challenges do they approach things head-on or are they sort of metaphorical and, and around the edges? Uh, a little bit of both actually um, I'm looking at one now where the, the title is Big Emotions for Little People um, so that's that's fairly head-on <laughs> Um, but no, there is certainly an, an awful lot that are, yeah, much more metaphorical and um, a little a little softer in their approach. We have that challenge, of course, of wanting to protect the kids, but also mm-hmm. not hiding them from the some of the challenges of the world. How are how are books navigating that kind of? introducing difficult concepts without making it too scary and letting people have a, a childhood? Um, good question. Um, I mean, I think I'm a, I'm generally a believer in um, if a child is willing and interested and um, keen to read a book, um, and, I, and, I, and I'm talking about any book really, um, that we should allow them to do so um and there will be children out there reading um you know grown-up novels um and if, if they're able to do so then then you know fair enough it's a, it's a it's a great way to um learn and absorb information in a in a safe um in a safe way um in terms of children's publishing um yeah i mean i was reading a a graphic novel earlier which dealt with um self-harm and um depression and eating disorders um and and that sort of thing and um it as a parent it almost gave me a a fright you know this idea that that my child could read that and and then she'd know what these big concepts are and um but she read it and um I think actually she you know, it was a it was a good way for her to develop an understanding of 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 other people and what other people are going through, and um, and hopefully that will sort of arm her for you know the fu- the future really, and um, seeing people who are, are different to her and going through different things than she is, and um, I think that's a really that's a really good thing. Even though as a as a parent, I want to wrap her up in cotton wool forever. <laughs> um, it's it's important that she learns about the world, um, and books are a, a, a good way to do that for sure. When we're choosing children's books, should we be looking for books that that we look at and think, "Oh, that's awesome! That's so delightful," mm. or do we have to like try and put ourselves into a, a kid's mind and think about it from a kid's perspective? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I think it's even in the few weeks that I've been open, I've, I've seen parents come in with their kids and their kids will be immediately drawn to a particular title. 
and um, in a couple of instances, the parents have gone, no, 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 that one's far too babyish for you, or, you know, that one's not, that's not going to last very long. You know, there's, there's something about this idea that a book needs to last, you know. Um, so I, personally, I feel that we should be guided by by the kids, yeah. Um, and, and remember as well that, that um, a, a, a child will, and maybe a parent will, invariably read a book 20 30 40 times especially in the, those particularly younger ages um so i think it's good to be guided by your kids and and the 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 act of reading you know sitting there in your bed at night with a book is just as important as what's inside let's take the second of your music choices let's have tom york dawn chorus why this one um so um, I, it, for me, Radiohead, uh, I have loved Radiohead since I was about 14, um, and I'm now in my 40s, and I still love Radiohead. Um, and Tom York released Anima um, in, I think it was sort of late 2019 or thereabouts. So, again, this was another one that was on, on repeat for me. Um, and this song, even though it, it uh, I haven't actually sort of sat down and analysed the lyrics or anything like that, but it really um, elicits this emotional reaction in me. Um, and it just feels um, like a really powerful song. And um, yeah, and I just love it. <laughs>
Joe, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Um, I hope... Um, ooh. Well, I, I, going coming at it from a purely uh, commercial point of view, certainly buying books has been a, um, a really popular thing <laughs> since the pandemic hit. And um, book selling has been um, has actually been very strong the last couple of years. Um, the last couple of months have been fairly difficult, I think, across the board um, in New Zealand. Um, but I really hope that that um, you know continues to to be strong and um, that the industry thrives and survives. Um, and you know, I think reading and picking up a good book is um, is so important. And um, and it clearly was something that lots of people got into um, when they were in lockdown and um, perhaps people who weren't big readers before. Um, so, yeah, that's something that I hope um, that's perhaps slightly a commercial, slightly commercial answer of, of me. But, um, um, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that people have said that the end of the book is nigh, but it seems <laughs> that they, they seem to be carrying on. And, and as you say, they they growing rather than shrinking. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, certainly when um, the Kindle came out and ebooks became a thing, there was a lot of talk um, about that being the end of books. Um, and obviously the the financial crash around was it the late two thousands or thereabouts. Um, I know that took out a lot of bookstores, um, but I think the the big thing for New Zealand is thankfully we've been sheltered from too much of the uh, Amazon effect. Um, so long may that last as well. Is your business working on people coming to Port Chalmers? There's, there's not enough people in Port Chalmers to, to support a specialist <laughs> bookshop. Are you, are you trying to see yourself as a destination? Uh, I think so, yeah. Um, well, I think, like you say, like a lot of business in Port Chalmers, really, we are – our best weekends are when there are visitors from New Zealand come who have come down to see, you know, Elton John play or something. Um, those tend to be the really good weekends for us out here. Um, like you say, it's a small place. Um, there's not a huge amount of foot traffic, um, if any, in the winter. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd like to see myself as a bit of a destination, and I've I've put a lot of effort into my website as well, so that um, hopefully that will you know sort of see me through the winter, and um, people can can shop online as well. And it's still got that curation. That's the that's the added value that you've you've got over Amazon or some the other big ones. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, it's a very limited selection online, and very much my my personal choices um, on there. So um, hopefully, yeah, it it won't be quite so overwhelming um, for shoppers. Yeah. Do you think that there are any lessons that we can take from the last couple of years for the bigger sorts of questions that we face as society? Global society. I'm thinking of things like climate change and social injustice. Mm-hmm. Can we take some hope for those things? Uh, absolutely. I think. Um, I mean, I, I um, look to um, the young young people. I think at the moment um, are the ones that blow my mind constantly um, for being so engaged and forward thinking and um, inclusive um, so I think I think there's an awful lot of hope um, particularly in those um, in that younger generation our show has a theme which is positive but not deluded although in the last few months first few weeks we've been convinced to add a, just a dash of deluded 
What's the role of a positive mindset for you? The role of a positive mindset. I think um I think I, I know from a personal perspective, I found um that the general sort of world is burning vibe of the last couple of years um has not done good things for my own mental health um and my own particularly anxiety. Um so a positive mindset, you know, for me is the difference between you know, wanting to get up and 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 get on with with my day, and knowing that if I put one foot in front of the other and um and get to work or get to football or get to wherever I need to be, um that for the most part um things will be okay and and I can keep going and um so yeah, hopefully that answers that. <laughs> there must be a big chunk of optimism in doing things like opening a bookshop. Yeah, there's there's certainly a lot of uh, blind faith, and <laughs> um, and uh, I think my husband and I particularly are quite big risk takers. I think um, we, as a good example, we moved to Dunedin uh, in 2016. We'd never been to Dunedin. <laughs> we just packed up our kids, packed up our life, sold our house, and moved. And um, that was that was certainly a big a big leap. And um, we take that approach. In, in business and in life generally um, is, is sort of jumping with both feet. Um, so, yeah, certainly opening the bookshop. I mean, especially opening in Port Chalmers, I think um, there's a, a great deal of, um, you know, hope that um, it will work and, uh, it, you know, it is a risk, it is a gamble, um, but I'm, you know, I have good faith um, that enough people will dig what I'm putting out there um, for it to work. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> and you get to surround yourself with delightful things. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, before, uh, Joe, you were talking about um, kids coming in and parents saying, uh, oh, no, that's a baby book, you know, that kind of thing. And and it, it gave me a little giggle because where my son sits in the evening to read, uh, he's 12 years old and, and um, there's two books. He's got uh, Shackleton's biography uh, and he's also got Diary of, of a Wimpy Kid um, <laughs> by Jeff Kinney. And and I just, I know what he's reading by his reaction. He, he'll go from, oh, mum, this happened to Shackleton and that happened and, you know, all these incredible dramas. And then he's sitting there laughing at the toilet humour of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And it just reminded me, you reminded me that it actually, it doesn't matter what they're reading, it matters that they're reading. And Absolutely, yeah. And they learn to take pleasure from that, whatever it looks like and whatever they need in the moment. And I appreciate that, Joe. Thank you. Oh, no problem. Yeah, when I was, when I was that age, um, or maybe a little bit older, I remember my friends at school, um, Bryce Courtney was the big, the big thing, <laughs> the power of one. Everybody was reading that book, but I was at home reading the Far Side comics and um, Calvin and Hobbes and, <laughs> and that kind of stuff. And I'm fairly certain that I never really told anybody that that's what I was reading. But, <laughs> but yeah, you've got a, if you've got a thing that you're into, then go for it. There's quite a, I like this movement that we have at the moment uh, into graphic novels, um, and it, it was Nick Susanis's work, uh, Unflattening, that introduced me to graphic novels. I also loved The Far Side when I was, um, mm -hmm. you know, younger and they came out, and I absolutely loved them, but kind of went away from that whole genre until Nick Susanis's book absolutely captured me, and, and it has been hugely influential in my writing, actually. Oh, is that right? Oh, that's great. Joe, I have some questions to end the show and not very much time, so we're going to have to wriggle through them. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? 
Um, I would say, uh, well, <laughs> sorry. Um, I think opening this shop, surely that that's got for me. That's got to be the biggest um, success. The the fact that I'm open is is huge. Oh, and and also, um, my my husband and I. We, we're the business we run um, we make a range of seasonings called wild fennel company and um, we got approached by new world um, about 18 months ago to uh, do a gift with purchase so you'd go into new world you'd spend a certain amount of money and you get a free seasoning and um, that we we wound up producing and in the midst of the Auckland lockdowns we, we produced 1.4 million seasonings for them and um, considering that it was worth more than our house, and uh, and it's only my my husband and I in that working in that business. That was a huge, huge achievement and huge undertaking, and completely terrifying, <laughs> and probably didn't do good things for my anxiety, to be honest. Um, but off the back of that, I was I was able to open this this shop. So um, so that was a big achievement. Yeah. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? What got you into the mansion? Uh, like in a metaphorical way or in a in a uh, yeah. literal way? <laughs> if you say something like laser eyes, I'm going to ask you for a real one. Unless, of course, you can demonstrate laser eyes. I'll say kindness. I'd like to think that I'm a fairly kind person. <laughs> Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, probably not as much as I would like to be. Um, I... Uh, I certainly try to um, engage and um, and be involved where I can, um, but I think I could probably do an awful lot more. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? I think what motivates me is, um, is that um, I'm excited to put something out into the world that's unique and different and um, and I do love working for myself and it's important to keep going and, and work hard in order to, to, to make that happen really, um, yeah. So what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Um, well, I think with starting any new business, um, it, you know, it's there's a lot of unknowns at the moment. Um, and I'm not sure how the year is going to pan out um, with, you know, with the pandemic and um, and how that will have an impact on, on business. Um, we've got the cruise ships coming back to Port Chalmers, um, which will be really interesting um, to see how that goes. Um, so yeah, really, it's just getting through this first year and um, and trying to make it through, and um, that's my biggest challenge, I would say. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Uh, just read as many books as you possibly can, I suppose, and um, yeah, <laughs> get out there and support your local booksellers for sure. And your website is picturabooks.co.nz. Thank you for that, Mawira. I remember um, there was an author, Mem Fox, years ago said that if you um, read out loud to your children, you will teach them how to think into the future, you will teach them about predictable outcomes, you'll teach them how to engage with you on, on important topics. There's so many different things that reading does and you're enabling that. Um, it is a beautiful thing you do and a, and a wonderful gift that you're giving to our children. Thank you for the commitment you've made to reading and uh, for all the work you do. Kia ora. Thank you so much, Kia ora. I spent yesterday afternoon looking for 
the song to go out to. There are so many books that songs that we could have related to books. So we're going out to Red Hot Chili Peppers, Yertle the Turtle. I'm a Bowie Island of the Solomon, I said, a year of the Terry, there was a king of the pond. A nice little pond, it was clean, it was neat. The water was warm, there was a plenty to eat. Until one day, the king of the mob decided the kings, and he was rulers too small. I'm a ruler of all that I see, but I don't see enough, and that's the trouble with me. safe spaces around the world brought to you by the sustainable lens team which is brought to you by a tiger polytechnic we're broadcast on a tiger access radio every monday wednesday friday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz you can find us on facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we have a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Muira Karatai in Fakatani and in Kokotai, Port Chalmers. We've been joined from Pictura by Joe Pearson. Wow! That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Matiwa. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.